Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, oh, Susan, not Rebecca. Marcy. Marcy! It's Marcy. <laughs> Hi, Marcy. Hi. Hey, how are you tonight? I'm great. I'm happy to be here subbing for Rebecca and getting to hang out with you. Yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, trying to figure out. I think that because the next two Tuesdays are holidays that we are taking a break from that. Is that true? Do you know? I, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's what I think. And um, so I, I'm almost certain that we're not going to do the um, – <clears throat> we'll do next Tuesday 
which would be the 18th, but we're not going to do the 25th. We're not going to compete with Santa. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense, right. And then I guess I'll find out from Rebecca if we're going to do um, January 1st. As mm-hmm. I said to one of my friends, as we made an appointment for next January 1st, I said, it's unlikely that either of us are going to have a hangover on January 1st. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be a good work day for us. Um, so yeah, thanks for stepping in for Rebecca, and I am so excited that this evening we get to talk to Lama Tsultrim Alione. I met Tsultrim Alione decades ago. She actually, she actually lived right here in the Hudson River Valley with me. This was before. She moved to the Tara Mandala, which is near Pagosa Springs, Colorado, in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, some gorgeous mountains, wonderful for uh, hiking. And I so respect Sultrim. One of the reasons I was drawn to her is because of the work that she does with <clears throat> the Dakinis. And the monsters, and one of the uh, things that I learned from her was to go up to a high mountain, in my imagination, bring a big cooking pot, and to cut up my monsters, throw them in the cooking pot, and eat them to make myself strong. Mm. Yeah, that's not what we're usually taught, is it? It's like vanquish, slay, overcome. Right. But that's not... That's not the wise woman way. The wise woman way is nourish, consume, become more. Become more. Become more. Eat your monsters. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so Lama Sultrim Alione is going to be with us at 9 o'clock tonight or whatever time it is where you are. <clears throat> that will be an hour and a half from now. And I am so excited. She's just been awarded the International Outstanding Woman in Buddhism Award. And she's going to be talking about her books, Women of Wisdom and Feeding Your Demons, and her brand new book, Wisdom Rising, A Journey into the Mandala of the Empowered Feminine. Da, da, da. Rebecca, mm. we're, we're sorry to miss this. But I'm excited to meet her. I have not heard of her work, so yeah, I'm in for a treat. All right. And um, what have you been up to this week? Anything interesting? Well, I have been teaching the class that I so wanted to kick off the ground um, that I was mentoring with you to help me do that called Nourish to Flourish. So that's really exciting. I've been, um, it's a nine month program and it's online and we've been one month in so far. Oh, congratulations to you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much, Susan. I heard you talking about the brag last week with Rebecca and sharing what other apprentices are up to, and I was excited to share this with you. Yes, so (laughs) much. And I love seeing that you have the skill to set a goal and to work toward it and to accomplish it. 
feels really good. Yeah. Very empowering. It is, in fact, the the very stuff of uh, power. Um, you know, there's that that old true story about Edison, who on his hundredth try at making a light bulb failed again. And somebody said, "Well, you should give up." And he said, "Why should I give up now? Now I know a hundred ways it doesn't work." Yeah, this is something I wasn't going to give up on, and it took it was about five years coming. Worth it. Totally worth it. Absolutely. And <clears throat> praises for you to bask in your success. Not, you know, go to sleep and, and snore the rest of your life away, but I find that one of the things that is missing for many women is not just having the goal and achieving it, but then taking that moment to say, yeehaw. Totally. It's, it's so easy just to be on to the next thing. Okay, did that, check it off the list, go on to the next thing. And, uh, 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 let's just have a little, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes. And I, yeah, I'm so excited to share that tonight. And and we do need a, a cohort of women to share these with, these things with. And, I'm excited to help kind of gather that that um, possibility for the apprentices. Thank you. How marvelous. Yes. Do we have anybody wanting to ask a question? And let's remind people that the way they can alert Marcy to what's happening is to push one. If you do not push one, you are kind of invisible. There, and I envision it as some big board. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> it's her computer screen, or goodness only knows, maybe even her phone screen. But um, we don't, we don't get that you want to ask a question unless you push one. So push one if you have a question. Yeah, we have three people with their hands raised, and several people um, who haven't pushed one yet. So shall we begin? I think we might as well go ahead. Okay, the first caller is calling from 845 area code, and it's not you. Okay. Yes. Hi. Susan, good evening. Um, my name is Patricia, and I'm, I want to put this out to the listening audience. I live in Mount Tremper, New York, and if there's anybody in the area that buys herbs wholesale from Frontier, I would like to be part of their wholesale group because I'm needing to buy quite a few of them. I've bought quite a few already, and it would help me a great deal to have it at the wholesale price. My phone number is 845-688-0091. And thank you. Thank you, Susan, that I could do that. You are welcome. Also, let me tell you that Frontier... Um, is quite open to establishing wholesale accounts. If you yep. want to establish a wholesale account directly with them, and then you simply have to fill out the paperwork. And one thing that kind of stops some people is they want to know what your business number is. It's your social security number because you are a sole owner. If you want to make it really legal, 
then you apply for a DBA, a doing business as, and then you file your for any um, sales tax. I don't have a business, Susan. I'm retired. I understand that to you, um, the world is black and white and there's nothing gray. Okay. I'll talk to them about this, doing business as. What could I be doing business as? A DBA is just your business name. Okay. And it is certainly conceivable, I always conceive of it, that when I'm buying herb from Frontier, that someone may be in my house who wants to buy a pound of it from me. Right. In fact, when I get my order from Frontier, I have a Sharpie, and I mark on the label the month, the year, and the price plus 10%. So if it costs me $10, I mark $11 on it so that if I do sell it to somebody, I've covered my costs mm-hmm. of making the order and unpacking the order and labeling it and, and getting it together. That There is some time and effort involved in doing that, as we know. So the fact that you are running an unsuccessful business is not held against you. Right. Now, I've talked to Frontier about wholesale, Mm -hmm. and they have to have five families, different people, and you have to spend $250 per order. I wouldn't be myself be making an order for $250. Why not? Well, because... I, because my, I have my money budgeted, and I wouldn't be doing and it. And I completely understand. But here's what I say to people. It's not that these herbs are harvested throughout the year. All the nettle is harvested at the same time. All the oat straw is harvested at the same time. So you get a better price if you order five pounds. Right. If you order five pounds of nettle, even at $10 a pound wholesale, that's $50. So if you order five pounds of each of your major infusion herbs, that makes your $250 minimum. Okay. And then you never have an excuse for not making your infusion. Oh, yes. I agree with you. And I do understand that there were many years where I had to put aside money every month of the summer because I had no work of any kind in the winter. Right. Now I sell books in the winter. But I still don't take people out on weed walks in the winter, so I really do understand that. And again, what I'm suggesting is that you don't ask Frontier to do a big thing, that you just make up a business name, Sally's Herbs or whatever. Okay. And that you're buying herbs for resale. Okay. If you fail to resell them and have to use them again, it's not going to be held against you. And so these will last indefinitely if I buy five pounds of nettle and five pounds of oatstraw and five pounds of chamomile and five pounds of linden. We're not using chamomile to make infusion. Okay. We don't use any scented herb to make infusion. I don't mean chamomile. I mean um, comfrey. Linden. Comfrey. Yes. Okay. Comfrey, yeah. 
Well, Frontier packs them in a really good package. Oh, I um, know that, yes. Yes, yeah. and so they're quite stable so long as you put them in a cool, dark place. Mm-hmm. And, well, let's think about this. If you use one ounce of herb every night, then you're going to use two pounds of herb a month to make infusion for one person. Right. So what you're buying is a year's worth. You use 24 pounds of herb in a year. Huh. With five different herbs at five pounds each. Right. You're buying 25 pounds of herb, and you don't have to buy five pounds of linden since we're only using half an ounce. Right, right. Right. And if it doesn't quite come up to 250, what I do is I buy cooking herbs from them. They have fabulous vanilla extract from all over the world, dozens of different kinds. Hmm. Get their catalog. They have all kinds of gear. They have strainers and bottles and matcha whisks and teapots and fun stuff. This is very good. Doing business as. Well, I'm going to think about what I can be doing business as. Right. And the DBA, the doing business as, means means your name. It doesn't mean what you're doing. Oh, so I can just put my name as doing business as my name. Business as, as I said, Patty's Herbs. Got it. Whatever name you want for your business, Sunshine Herbs, right? Green, green grow the herbs. Got it. The DBA is a declaration that you, Sue Smith, are doing business as Green Grow the Herbs. And just give my social security number, and that's all I need to do. Give your social security number as your business number, and you're in business. Okay. Now, does the check need to um, have the business name on it? Or can I send a money order or something? No, they wouldn't take money orders at all. Most people use credit cards. Like somebody saying to me, you know, things are getting so bad, you're going to have to go to the store with wheelbarrows of cash. And I looked at her and I said, when was the last time you went, even went out of the house with cash in your pocket? Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't even have to put coins in the parking meter anymore. You go stick your credit card in the thing, right? Mm-hmm. See, I mm-hmm. use cash. Okay. But I use both. Yeah. Um, so um, if you have a credit card, you'll be paying with a credit card. Okay. Very good. And if if you want to make that seamless thing, then apply for a credit card in your business name. Right. And use that card to pay with it. I just use my regular private card to pay my orders at Frontier. Okay. I mean, the truth of the matter is that probably 75% of the herb that I buy from Frontier, I brew into infusion that I serve to people at classes. Right. So it's, you know, it's not like I'm using it all myself. But you will find that that as you buy it in greater quantity, you use more and you turn more people onto it and you take it around with you and you, you know. Oh, I do that already. But yes. Good for you. I'm I'm very glad you... uh, Introduce me to Gray. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for your call, and who knows, maybe somebody will call you up. All right, thanks. You're welcome. Good night. Okay, our next caller has a 
111 area code might be a Skype. Hello, who now are you? Hi. You're on the call. Do we have someone calling in from Skype or from overseas? Yeah, they're not registering. I will try um, somebody else. Let's do the next caller is a 209 area code. You're on with Susan. Hi. Hi. This is Julie. Hi, Julie. Um, hi. I'm so glad to get to talk to you. I've been listening for about three months, and I have some questions. Um, I accidentally bought Comfrey Root. Is there anything I can use that for? Comfrey Root is considered to be high in an alkaloid called pyrolizodine alkaloid. Okay. Pyrolizodine alkaloid makes the blood vessels that leave the liver get inflamed. Okay. So it's not considered to be especially safe for internal consumption. Now, when we actually look at who's been harmed by comfrey root, it's not a lot. We have one woman who is taking comfrey root pepsin tablets or capsules, and she was taking them by the handful. And mm. after some months of that, she did have some liver problems. But once she stopped taking the comfrey root, her liver straightened itself out. Okay. We also have a couple of neonatal deaths in England where women were using comfrey root decoction, uh, where they boiled the comfrey root down and drank that, or comfrey root powdered in capsules while they were pregnant toward the last part of the pregnancy. Uh, And both the infants um, had basically died from their liver being dysfunctional. Okay. How that but I could use it that, as a poultice. And however, it could be used externally, right? Right. As a poultice yes. or a sitz bath. And we use a lot of comfrey externally anytime we're healing a bone or a, tig- a ligament. Okay. Sounds there good. are people okay. who make comfrey root ointment. Mm. By seeing even the dried root in oil, usually if they're using the dried root, they will put the dried root in oil someplace where it's warm. Okay. Some people get a crock pot that you can turn down, the ones with the actual temperature dial, so you can turn it down real low. Okay. Right, and make comfrey root ointment, which is a tremendous wound healer. Hmm. Great. Okay. Well, I'll save that, and when I start learning how to make oils, I'll pull it out. I just made my first um, tincture <clears throat> from some lemon balm I had, so I'm pretty All right. About you, that. You're growing lemon balm. <laughs> well, I had a little plant of it, so it's, 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 it's a tiny little... 
I, I'm looking forward to the spring when I can go out and find somebody to do a weed walk with me because I know we must have tons of great stuff where I live. Um, and is there a place to go and see the nutritional analysis of the herbal infusions like the quart of the nettle, what the protein count is? There do you isn't. know? There okay. isn't, and it's somewhat confusing. About okay. 25 years ago, my pastor apprentice, Marie Summerwood, who stayed on for decades helping me at the Wise Women's Center, both to teach workshops on her own and with me and to help me in the kitchen, um, she thought it would be a good idea for us to have the infusions analyzed. And she mm-hmm. even found a company that would do it, but it turned out that you had to pay separately for each nutrient. Mm. Yeah. So if you wanted to find out, like, vitamin E was like hundreds of dollars. Uh, right. And they, they just, like, you know, broke it down, every little nutrient. And we were just like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, this is like really, really expensive. So we did just one thing, which was white pine vinegar, because we kind of wanted to see, like, we know that white pine is loaded mm-hmm. with vitamin C, and we wanted to see if it was in the vinegar. Mm-hmm. And when we got it back, mm-hmm. there was hardly any vitamin C. And we said, that's so odd. And they said, well, we only t- you only paid for testing for ascorbic acid. Oh. <laughs> and they see. vitamin C huh. has, you know, almost 100 different components. Yep. Very rich in vitamin C. But we wouldn't pick it up because we just tested for ascorbic acid. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we kind of gave the whole thing up, and then I didn't revive my interest in it because, funny story, some of you have heard this story before. I was at an international herb symposium, and they were giving oh. us a wonderful teacher's dinner. I got there a little bit early, rather uncharacteristically, and found my name on my place card. And right next to me was a name, and it said that this person... Uh, was representing this supplement company. And I thought, oh, this is awful. And so I just picked up their name, and I thought I'd look for the name of somebody I wanted to sit next to and swap them out, you know. (laughs) And I was caught in the act. I was caught in the act by that person. Oh, no. Yes. Actually came in and found me wandering around with their little place thing, right? And so I had to mess up. That I was, you know, trying to uh, avoid, uh, uh, you know, us having a difficult dinner and that I thought it would be better mm-hmm. next to each other. He said, but I asked to sit next to you. And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. Right. And I said, well, you're not going to convince me. He said, well, I don't intend to convince you of anything. In fact, the supplement company that he owned was a company that sold only to doctors and only sold actual <sighs> Foods rather than synthetic supplements. Oh, wow. Because he actually totally agreed with me that synthetic supplements were just commercial things. Great. Right. And so I said to him, okay, well, I'm going to run something by you because I say to people, I say, you know, like there may be like 50 micrograms of this in this plant, I say, but I actually believe that it's like 10 times more effective than taking that much in a supplement form. He said, you're so wrong. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's more like a 1,000 times more effective. 
Oh, my gosh, really? How neat. You can't just compare numbers. Mm -hmm. That if you take D-alpha-tocopherol, the common vitamin E supplement, each atom of D-alpha-tocopherol can absorb one free radical, and then it's done for. Oh. But if you consume oil that contains all four tocopherols and all four tocotrienols, including alpha-tocopherol, a single alpha-tocopherol atom can absorb hundreds of free radicals before it's done for. Oh, wow. Amazing. Isn't it? That's, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And so we I've can see to... that if you look at the numbers, then soy isolated soy protein uh-huh. powder is as good <clears throat> in providing protein as a piece of raw goat's milk cheese. Right. But, but our bodies really. would have to know. There was, as a matter of fact, my sweetheart told me a very funny story. Uh, he was buying fish, and there was not the usual fishmonger there, and the person who sold him the fish wanted to know why he was choosing to buy the wild fish. And he looked at that person. Mm. He said to him, well, don't you prefer wild meat? Mm. And the person said, oh, how did did you know? He said, well, I could just tell by looking at you. And he said, well, of course, you know, the wild meat has the (laughs) flavor and, you know, all of the the energy, whereas, you know, the stuff that's really – and my sweetheart said, yeah, the same thing with the fish. Those fish that have been raised are eating grain in the barn. Yep. And this or wild fish is what out, out in the woods them. eating wild ginger. What can we say? <laughs> yeah. Huh. So, I, you know, I have long thought that's part of why the nourishing herbal infusions have such tremendous impact on people. Is that you're getting nutrition that finally makes sense to your body. Mm-hmm. The way God intended, or the way nature intended. The way that your body can interpret <clears throat> and understand. Mm-hmm. I say that the our cells were probably um, geared toward eating wild food since really up until fairly recently in human history, all the food we ate was wild, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, yeah. it was wild, right? It's been what, 10, maybe 12, maybe, maybe 14,000 years that we've been cultivating food, not very long. So when when we get these nourishing herbal infusions, which are often the wild plants, right? Oats being the wildest of the grains, even if it's cultivated, that we are getting that that wild thing back into ourselves. Right. Along along with that, oh. it's not just how many grams of protein, how many milligrams of calcium. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It's I what can, herbalist I'm really excited. That, that synergistic thing. Right, right. Well, I have a friend I've been trying to convince, and she's had the weight loss 
surgery on her stomach, so she has to have so many grams of protein a day. So I was trying to, you know, just my case for the infusions. But I can tell I've been looking for something for 20 years to help me feel better, and I, I think I finally found it with you. I'm really enjoying them. The inf- but I've been trying inf- to find the violent nourish us in so many places that we didn't know we were hungry. Hmm. That's wonderful. Is it, I just can't find violet leaves anywhere or violet. Well, if you know violet, violet leaf used to be one of my favorite infusions, but I stopped talking about it because it got expensive and because it was difficult to procure. Yeah. So now that I primarily use are stinging nettle, oat straw, comfrey leaf, red clover, and linden flower. But frequently, especially during the summer, we use hibiscus. Ooh. Right. Astragalus root is another wonderful nourishing herbal infusion. Many people love mullen. There's a whole subgroup who would not want to have their nourishing herbal infusion unless they can include chickweed. Mm. Oh, right? I've, I've gotten yeah about yeah. 10 or 12 bottles of tinctures. I've got the chickweed, the echinacea. All right. And, uh, and the St. Joe. In fact, I've been buying from Rebecca, and I just love her stuff so much. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad. And since... She's in Oregon. I get it very quickly, and she's just a lovely person. I've enjoyed her just hearing her on your show. And I'm a big fan of Juliet of the Herb. Um, I'm, I'm a dog breeder, so I know of Juliet from her dog books. And she's just an amazing woman. I have her her video. And it's my understanding you were friends with her. Yes, indeed. Toward the toward the latter part of her life, Rosemary Gladstar brought her over to a women's herbal conference where we met, oh. and we became very close friends. So close that she offered to allow me to publish her books in the United States. That's wonderful, and you have her video available. That's the most beautiful thing. That video. It is, isn't it? Uh, Trish Streeton did such a fabulous... He's working on a new video about Tulsi. I'm very Mm -hmm. excited to see what we find out from uh, her about uh, Tulsi. I know it takes a long time to get the whole video done, but I'm glad she's working on it. Yeah. And just one last thing. Um, We have redwood trees that grow in our backyard. Would those needles be... I'd be able to make tinctures from those needles like you do the white pine? I usually don't tincture the white pine. I usually make a vinegar from the white pine. Oh, vinegar. I'll try a vinegar then. So I would try that with the redwoods. I know there's some slightly different kinds of redwoods. All of the coniferous trees contain resins and volatiles that can... Mm -hmm more or less soluble in the vinegar. So some of them 
taste really good in the vinegar, and some of them taste a little more like turpentine. Okay. Well, I'll give it a try. Exactly what I say. It's hard to go wrong, and if you do go wrong, you know it right away, and you can just say, well, that was experiment that didn't work. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm I'm really enjoying um, listening to your old podcasts and reading your e-zines and everything else. So, and your books. I've gotten at least two or three of your books so far. So, thank, thank you. Thank you. And thanks to my daughter Justine for suggesting that I do this blog oh, talk yeah. show and make it a podcast. I know. Yay, Justine. I just wish I had found it before I was 61 years old, but you know what? It is what it is. And it works for everybody no matter what our age. Hooray for you. I know. I know. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Okay, we have a caller in the 859 area code, and you're live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. I um, Welcome back. From from France, I, it sounds like you all had a great time. I'm glad to hear it. We did indeed. <laughs> um, I have uh, I have a question for you about um, I, I fell on my stairs. I, I fell on the last stair, so I hit um, my sacrum once really hard. I was wearing socks, and my feet went out from under me, and. Um, I had for for a few days I wasn't sure if the pain from the fall was um muscular or if it was that I hit bone because it didn't feel like how it it's how like, I felt when which is why ahead. the doctors call it musculoskeletal pain. Ah. Uh, uh. Because you can't okay. tell the difference, so it just it is whatever has been injured, and there's probably some some small pain from ligaments and tendons being stretched as well. Okay, comfrey, well, of course, is always our go-to when there's any injury like this. So infusion, comfrey infusion internally and comfrey externally, any way you can. Okay, great. A sitz bath, ointment. However you can work it out. A poultice. Okay. And then would you, um, do you have an opinion about movement? I've been continuing to do my yoga and the typical things that I do, just taking more care to move more slowly. One of the catchphrases that I use when I am leading a yoga class is that I want everybody to do it, but I don't want them to overdo it. Right. So we're not talking about walking on a broken leg. We're talking about gentle, careful movement of an area that has been hurt, that has been Mm -hmm. traumatized. If it becomes more swollen after the activity, then it doesn't matter how slowly you've been doing it. It's too much. Okay. I haven't seen any um, swelling. Wonderful. Then you are listening into your body. Okay. And I've heard you um, 
give uh, kind of like a guide about how to work with breath and intention on various subjects? And do, is there anything associated with this kind of an injury that you would recommend? Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Do you agree that everything is made of atoms? Yes. All right. So you're made of atoms and your socks are made of atoms and the stairs are made of atoms. Yes. All right. Do you agree that atoms have a nucleus and a cloud of electrons? Yes. And that that nucleus is separated from the cloud of electrons by a lot of empty space. Okay, I can imagine that. They say that if you took the nucleus and put it at the 50-yard line of a football stadium, that the cloud of electrons would be running around the top tier of the stadium. Wow, okay. So atoms are mostly space. Okay. All right. So... You've agreed that everything is made of space because mm-hmm. everything is made of atoms. So when you remember hitting the stairs and your brain is going to make you remember it over and over and over and over and over again <laughs> because it doesn't want you to do it again, right? then right. instead of hitting the stairs, you're going to go through them. You are going to be spacious. Your sacrum is going to be spacious. The stairs are going to be spacious. And you are going to sink through the stairs. Several years ago, I fell in Costa Rica and broke my wrist. I didn't know at the time I had broken my wrist. And when my brain kept showing me falling and twisting my wrist, I kept showing my brain that my wrist was space and that the rocks that it got caught in were space and that I was going down through that space into that space. And as I did that over and over and over again, I went down into a space where there was a woman who had something to say to me. At the very beginning of the show, I talked about our guest this evening at 9 o'clock, Lama Sultran Alione, and her feeding the demons. The idea that we're not getting rid of part of ourselves, but nourishing wholeness. Hmm. Okay. Does that help? It does. Really. Right. I um <clears throat> I also um yesterday when I came home from a long day had discovered that our house was burglared. I'm so and, ah, what a drag. Yeah. Well, <laughs> It's. It, I appreciate that, and it, and I think there's, you know, things to process about it. But uh, I think my daughter and I are safe, and we a few things were taken, and and our locks were changed today. So, um, 
And when did, I, you, when did you slip and fall, before or after this? I, I slipped and fell not this past weekend, but the weekend prior. Prior, okay. And I think you're sort of anticipating where I'm going. Life is getting a little slippery for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's It's okay to know. Don't castigate yourself. That's another thing our brains do, isn't it? You what should does have, it mean? should have done that. You shouldn't have been wearing socks. You should have locked the dish. Oh, yeah, right. And just like, shh, we don't need it. Yeah. Again, oh, just open that up to the spaciousness. Okay. Right? Life gets slippery. I think it's it's and so interesting because I don't I wasn't aware that <clears throat> I was in any kind of compromised state or vulnerable state especially I I have been feeling good physically and <clears throat> emotionally and spiritually I feel like there's a lot um a lot of uh, I don't know if I can bring it down to a couple of words but I just I, I feel really grateful and um, I'm, I'm good with where I am and and I appreciate so much what you have uh, shared and it's been really meaningful for me um, to learn from you. Even I mean, thank you to Justine, yes, and Rebecca to for helping bring bring all of the. Um, knowledge and wisdom to us who who can receive it in the way in this way. Um, so thank you for that. But um, I didn't realize that I was in this kind of vulnerable state until things a few things happened after one another, and so the the fall and then the burglary and then it became I became aware that my throat which has been sore recently, was actually, I was having like this chronic sore throat for for some years that uh, seems to have been associated with some kind of sense of um, um, You know, it was like a lock somehow. And it would come and take a while to go away. And But recently it's been gone for a while. And it has come back. And I've, I couldn't, I wasn't quite conscious of it until um, somebody, uh, an acupuncturist, mentioned that sometimes when you're feeling, and I don't understand the cosmology behind this, the Chinese medicine or most of the things that this person, says but he said something that sounded meaningful to me or rang true to me which is that when you're when you're feeling um when you're depleted or you're you're um not well that there's some kind of force that uh you you just become vulnerable to other things happening i don't know if i'm explaining it exactly correctly but does that does that make any sense it Am makes sense from the perspective of blame and shame. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, okay. And I don't play the blame and shame game. Okay. Okay. Again, I truly do see that our problems are portals to our expansion. Hmm. And so I would say that if you're in a place where it is obvious that you have the ability to deal with problems, that you might have more than one. Mm -hmm. It's not because you're being punished. Right. Life is not a classroom. It's not a test. You don't have to pass. It's experiences. It's pieces of your puzzle. Yeah. And I always just loved Ego Fung's, you know, expression that every piece of your puzzle is important, even if it's another piece of blue sky. Hmm. So when you were saying that you're feeling in a really good, really strong place in your life, mm-hmm. I have come to recognize that those places are the places been the gate to the agents of change. Okay. And I feel it that. used to be that when I got to one of those places, I would try to batten it down and say, okay, this is it. I've got it. Everything is good now. I'm feeling good here. I'm feeling good here. And nothing's going to change. And I'm going to keep it like this. And that was right. like bait to the agents of change. Right. And I would see them coming, and I would go, oh, no, here they come. I'm locking the door. They're not coming in here. I'm going to pile the furniture against the door. They're not getting in here. I'm going to go in my bedroom and lock the door in the bedroom and pile the furniture against there. That, even that's not good enough. I'm going to go in the closet, lock the closet door. That's not good enough either. I'm going to blindfold myself and gag myself. Well, you know what? All that meant was that the agents of change had to break down the front door, yeah. smash the furniture, break down the bedroom door, smash the furniture, break down the closet door, and throw me over the cliff blindfolded and gagged. And when I made my way home, I thought those agents of change sure do a lot of damage. (laughs) 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 Could I have a word with you about resistance, please, Susan? (laughs) And when I finally got myself to the point where I said, oh, here I am, everything is perfect, here come the agents of change, (laughs) and threw open the door and said, let's go. Yeah. You know, they still throw me over the cliff. They do. I'm not going to lie about it. You still get thrown over the cliff. You still get swallowed up by the monster. It's not like it stops happening. Right. But at least, as my mentor, Gene Houston, says, you know the story. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. You're not so caught up in, oh, my gosh, am I going to die? I've just been swallowed by the monster and thrown over the cliff. No. And because you're not gagged and blindfolded, you'll get home a lot sooner. And guess what? Your furniture won't be wrecked. Yeah. That all makes sense to me. So you you are not being set upon by the universe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You are being offered some opportunities right now mm-hmm. to go beyond the comfortable place you have created for yourself. Yeah. And congratulations on creating that comfortable place place. Good work. Mm. You'll be able to mm. do it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate all that. And um, I'll say good night and let 
the next caller ask their questions. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Wow. That was so beautiful. I, it felt like I was, when I'm getting a massage and the massage therapist gets to that place where you just take a deep sigh, <laughs> it was like I, I took a deep breath in the middle of that. Okay. Our next caller is calling from the 209 area code. And if you have a question for Susan, please press 1. And you are live, 209. Oh, I'm sorry. I already spoke to Susan. That was a mistake. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, so we'll go back to that um, out of the country caller from the 111 area code. You're now live again. Hi. Hello. Hi, go ahead. Hello. Sorry, Susan was muted, so she's here now. Aha, hi. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you, Susan. Thank you. Wonderful. What's up tonight? Okay, so I have a question regarding um, migraines. Yes. And migraines either right before the period, like a few days before the period, or during the cycle, like middle of the cycle. Um, so there are options, but some of them are not safe if you want to conceive, right? So if it's like before the period or when the period starts, it's okay. But then during the cycle, um, because I want to conceive, I'm not sure what to really take. Sometimes I've taken the skull cap and the St. John's wort, and it has really uh, quelled it right away. But there has been times lately that it's come on, and even large doses of the St. John's wort and the skull cap have not helped. So, any? I'm. I want to reel back a little bit. Okay. What are you saying is unsafe to take if you want to get pregnant? Mm, well, there, there's like things like feverfew. They say if you, so there's like, you know, mixtures for migraine relief and they, a lot of them have like feverfew and things and they say don't take if you're pregnant. So. Okay. If it's a mixture, there's none of feverfew in there to really make much difference. And so far as I know, feverfew is only effective against migraines eaten daily fresh. Okay. And has no effectiveness in any of the form. Okay. Okay. So, um, and there's also a difference between wanting to get pregnant and being pregnant. Yeah. Wanting to be pregnant um, means there is not a fetus to be adversely affected by constituents of the herbs. The reason Mm -hmm. that people are so... um, pulled back about herbs during pregnancy is that they rightly say that they don't know what the effect of that could be on the baby. Yeah. But there's no baby there. You just want to get pregnant. It's not like these things are going to lurk and grab the baby when you get pregnant. (laughs) 
There's things That's that right. they're saying, don't take if you are pregnant, not because of our heart to baby, but because we don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's something that would hurt the baby. I mean, we know that coffee hurts the baby. Mm-hmm. Does that really stop women from drinking coffee while they're pregnant? Well, it could. I mean, it could, but not very many. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to do a huge amount of harm, does it? That's right. So we're talking basically foods here. We're not talking drugs. Mm-hmm. Drugs are very concentrated, and they can have really quite severe side effects. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly drugs that you would not even want to get anywhere near if you were hoping to conceive. Correct. But that's not true of herbs. Mm -hmm. There aren't any herbs that I can think of that you would be likely to use that Mm -hmm. you couldn't use while you're trying to conceive. Okay. Including high CBD tinctures. CBD, of course, is sweeping the nation. Um, I, of course, like everyone, occasionally play solitaire on my computer and have to suffer through the ads. And there was just an ad for, oh my gosh, CBD oil. I'm like, ha, that hit mainstream pretty fast there. (laughs) It's one of the most effective pain relievers we have, and it works through totally different operating system than the opioid system. Hooray! And it's a non-addictive system. So it doesn't matter how much CBD you take, you're not going to get addicted to it. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't want to take CBD, is there other options? Because I've, I mean, I've I've read your stuff and I mean, the St. John's wort and the skullcap are quite effective many of the times, but sometimes... So I would keep on with that. You know, Mm -hmm. when it is effective, what I'm suggesting is you might want to have something for when that's not effective, as you said. Other pain relievers would include California poppy. Okay. Juliet DeBerclay Levy always swore by boiling a couple of poppy heads in water or milk and giving it to her children to get them to calm down and go to sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. But both of those are poppies, so we're talking the opioid, the opiate system. And depending, yeah, just... depending on you, there is always a possibility of addiction. Mm-hmm. Right? Opiates are addictive. CBD is not. Okay. Right? But would we... As you take CBD... opiates to relieve pain, they become less effective, so you have to take more. So you almost always create a situation of addiction. Partly because if you try to stop taking an opiate, you get withdrawal symptoms. And what is your uh, so CBD tincture? Can we get it in a herbal through a herbal supplier in Canada? I, I last I heard, Canada made cannabis legal. Yeah, you have to get a doctor's prescription. You're not in pain? You can't get a doctor to say that you have migraines? Yeah, I just like to avoid the medical system. I completely understand. But if what we're saying is that you need a doctor. 
say that you're in pain in order to get CBD. I don't think that you would have to lie. Yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> and, hey, you know, uh, uh, certainly we want to avoid them, but if we can use them, isn't that useful? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm making yes. an appointment. I'm coming in. I'm telling you I'm in intractable pain, and I want to try CBD, and I want you to prescribe it for me. Mm-hmm. CBD in tincture form, right? CBD in tincture form? Yep. Yeah. And, of and course, what is your... What it is technically is high CBD, right? Cannabis, like all plants, and this is kind of the theme of the evening, contains a lot of different constituents. And Uh the most active constituents are cannabinols. Tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, is the one that makes you go, woo, nice party. All right. CBD cannabidiol doesn't make you go nice party. It makes you go, oh, it's so nice not to have that pain. Yeah. Yeah. And that is pretty much what it does. Now, you can't get a plant that just has CBD and no THC. There will always be a little THC. But the hempier the plant is, the more likely it is to have high CBD. It's a pretty um, wild west out there with CBD products at this point. (laughs) And uh, so what I suggest people do is, you know, just really check it out. Look around. You're not looking for Rick Simpson's oil. Rick Simpson's oil is a specific high CBD oil made to be taken internally to get rid of cancer. Yeah. Right? No. You just want a high CBD tincture for pain relief. What is absolutely easy to get is CBD oil and CBD cream. And in products meant to be used externally, I am seeing high CBD products everywhere. Would it work for you to apply some of that to the area of your head that aches? I don't know, maybe. Well, it's just in the superorbital ridge, and that's really the funny part, because when I've been to the doctors, they're like, this is not really a mite. Why does it only ache in one spot? There's nothing else? I said, no. It's just in one spot, just that superorbital ridge just below the left eyebrow. So it might be that applying CBD oil would work very well for you, since it's yeah. a that you can very easily get it. Yeah. Or even sense. putting some of the CBD oil on like a piece of cotton gauze and laying down with it up against your eye with either heat or cold, whichever you prefer. Cold, yeah. You've, you've always said cold, and cold is the remedy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, your literature, it's phenomenal. And I was also just wanting to ask about the vervain, because you say that, or peony. I know you're not a huge fan of using licorice all the time, so I've could just, I go that I've just never gotten it on with licorice. I don't much like the taste of it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not going to have anything against licorice. It's mm-hmm. just not somebody that I have really made the acquaintance of. Now, Stephen Booner is in to licorice big 
good time in his book, um, Herbal Antivirals. He has a whole chapter on licorice and really goes into detail about how best to use it. But I do concur with you. I think it's a stimulant, and therefore you use it, you know, sort of judiciously. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to know your thoughts on vervain and white peony, because um, maybe it's, you know, hormone-related perhaps or tension-related, this onset. Yes, it's hormone-related. We don't uh, want to be doing things with the hormones. Okay. Okay. What we want to do is strengthen the liver. Mm-hmm. Let's imagine that hormones are tinker toys. You know what I mean by tinker toys? It's kind mm-hmm. of a construction set, and it has rods and things that look kind of like bagels with a lot of holes in them. Mm-hmm. And so the bagels with the holes in them, the connectors, are cholesterol. And almost every hormone in your body has cholesterol connectors. Mm-hmm. And the rods, which are different lengths and different colors, when they are connected by these holy bagel connectors, make different hormones. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying is that all the hormones that you're making in your body basically are made with the same set of tinker toys. Mm-hmm. So when you make a hormone, it goes into your blood, and every drop of blood in your body goes through your liver every hour. And so generally, within a few hours, your liver has seen it and taken it out of circulation and gotten rid of it. Mm -hmm. If the liver is so overworked and dealing with so much stuff that it doesn't, then what happens is the hormonal messages start to pile up. And so you have one hormone that's going, go to sleep, and you have another hormone that's going, get up and dance. Yeah. And you get a headache. Mm-hmm. And you get a headache in the front of your face. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's liver. It's like you have slammed your face into a wall. Yep. So liver loving herbs. There's lots of liver loving herbs. Dandelion, chicory, burdock, yellow dock. Become friends with some liver loving herb and Mm -hmm. love your liver. When I was first interested in in talking to people about health, I went around and interviewed all the oldest people who were dealing with health that I could find. And one of the questions that I asked them, and I asked them a series of set questions, but one of those questions was, if I was going to study any one organ of the body, what organ should I study? Mm-hmm. And 90% of those elder healers said, the liver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, love your liver. Okay, so I, I have yellow dock tincture. I have dandelion leaves and roots in the infusion, and I have burdock root in infusion. So perhaps I'll just, um, chicory infusion is okay to add to the mix. Why would we want to mix it together? No, we don't mix it. We do the simples. We do one a day. Exactly. I, but do. I like to do, I like to just, you know, 
sit with them and say, who wants to be my ally in this adventure? <laughs> yes. I right. You it. said cool better than hot. Dandelion is hotter. Chicory is cooler. Okay. Yellow dock is hotter. Burdock is cooler. Okay. Yeah, I do love burdock. And it's so maybe bitter. want a liver love an herb that's cooler because the liver can be overheating. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I went out the other your day. Your liver I had is. It. I'm saying that it's a possibility. And when we think that there's too much energy in the liver, then we don't want to add energy to it. Mm-hmm. That's right. So then for now, just stay off the dandelion, would you say? I, I, you might give it a try and see what happens. Okay. See yeah, if, it does, yeah, see if something that helps your liver um, can help on those times when your skullcap and hypericum aren't being effective for you, especially those times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can okay. take a liver herb all the time. It's not a problem. Wonderful tonic. But I'm thinking, especially on those times when you're just not getting what you want from the skullcap and the hypericum. Yeah, sometimes they're able to quell it within hours. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you say, right? Like every 20 minutes or yeah. half an hour. Yeah. They do the trick, and then there's been time. But I can feel that I've overexerted, and uh, you're right. It's like I've hit a wall. So, Okay, and uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, why do we have to use linden in half quantity as opposed to the, uh, you know, like a full ounce for the other herbs for infusion and linden only half? Have to, have to. But there are a couple of reasons. First of all, linden's more expensive. I want you to be able to make a quart of nourishing herbal infusion for a dollar a day or less. The vast mm-hmm. majority of people pay over $100 a month for supplements. So if right. you can get all of the nutrition you need for $30 a month, so mm-hmm. be it. Secondly, linden can be quite slimy. Mm, I love it. So there much. are those who do not like the slime yeah. factor. And uh-huh. so using less linden allows them to enjoy it more. Now, by mistake, instead of ordering slippery elm powder, I ordered slippery elm shredded bark. And Justine said, well, maybe I'll like it. And she took some and she poured water over it and she boiled it for a while. And it made this incredible glop, which she loved. And she kept pouring water in that pan and boiling it and making glop. And she said, "Really, it was her favorite way of dealing with the slippery elm." Yeah, so we, and all, I've, we all have too. a different glopability index, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, won't hurt you if you use a whole ounce of linden. It's perfectly acceptable to use an entire ounce of linden. Okay, so just for the liver again, just to recap, um, I'm just adding some chicory, right? Because I do have the burdock and laying off of the yellow dock and the dandelion for now. I mean, I, I can still try it and see how I feel, but... Yeah, right? yeah we can try it and see how you feel. You've characterized cold as being something that's more relieving than hot. 
Mm-hmm. So of our four liver-loving herbs that we were talking about, two of them being considered more cooling, we're thinking mm-hmm. that those are the ones to focus on. And is there anything I can do for the nausea? Because I really don't want to add ginger because it does add up the heat. So it, I, I, I don't like to take ginger, but I get severely nauseous, especially at times when the skull cap hypericum is not working, the combo is not working for me. Um, like I get two to three days worth of just severe straight nausea until until the migraine Which is gone. Which is another liver indication, right? Okay. Right. So it, that's a, that's also saying, oh, my, your liver is saying, oh, I am so overworked that I that I can hardly even do anything, and you should just stop putting anything in because I am just going to ignore it all here. Yeah. Okay. So that's. And um, and I have heard from women who have migraines that often one of the things that is most relieving for them is to not eat. Mhm. Yes. I I have that sometimes. Yeah. Well. Okay. So then I think so, yeah. Yeah, that that's the liver saying just lean off me for a while. Give me a chance to regroup here and I will you know see what what I can do. It, so um it is certainly one of the most frustrating things both for people who have migraines and mm-hmm. for people who want to help people who have migraines. They mm-hmm. can be very individual and yet quite variable. Mm-hmm. So that even the person who says, oh yes, well I have, you know, this is how my migraines are, then says, no it's not, now they're changing. That's right. So it can be very frustrating and it can feel like a betrayal, like the body is betraying us. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I always ask myself when I'm just about to get on my case for whatever is, to my perception, going wrong with my body is, in what way could this be my ally? Could this be my pardon? I, I In what way can this uh-huh. be my ally? So yes. on a very, shall we say, somewhat superficial level, a women who have migraines often cannot function. They need to lie quietly in a dark room. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a migraine becomes our ally of saying no to the world. Yeah. When we would, when we uh-huh. allow that to be our ally of saying no to the world, then rather than pushing away our desire to say no to the world, we accept it and we start to learn how to say no to the world. And Thus, we can relieve our migraine of having to do that for us. Right. Uh, this it's is, really a cry for help. Really, it is. I, it really is, yes. Yes, because I've, I've read your stuff and your, your explanations on it, and 
Um, I mean, I really resonate with them. It's just, you know, you need the quiet time. You need the solitude, and you need to be able to say no. So it's really the body saying, it's time for me time, you know. Yes. Um, something which a lot of us women have a very hard time with. So I can only speak for myself, so I, I know other women are similar. So um, so am I allowed to ask one more question, or I can, you know, cut out? Because I would like to... How many raised hands do we have? I have 15 minutes left before Lama Tsumaleone, and I'm asking Marcy... You have time with this caller still. Okay, good. There's Thank no you. no one behind her. Mm-hmm. All right, good. So go ahead. Thank you. So that's the universe thing I can ask. That's um, right. So <laughs> I did. Yes, thank you, Susan. You're ever so wonderful. I mean, I, I really do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I really do. I love you and I respect you. Thank so you. I have, yeah, you are phenomenal. You are like, you are our mother. <laughs> So um, I I just wanted to ask, I did call before, and this is about the right shoulder pain that will not go away. I did lots of research, and I came across, I think one of your apprentices had said about Solomon's seal. So I I bought the tincture, but I have not started it yet because I could not find any word from, from you about about like I know you've you've talked about the polygonum family. I know um, you know Foti and Hishowu are very popular. I just, uh, just did yeah. a show about Solomon Seal for HealthyLife.net, oh. and it should still be up. Okay, so I okay. So what are your thoughts about the right shoulder pain that nobody seems to be able to to treat? And doctors are kind of just like it's a musculoskeletal thing. And just recently, a chiropractor said it could be a hormonal issue because it it seems to not go away. But she was, you know, she's really thinking. She said she's thinking out of the box now. So, right, so I, right, yeah, right. Um, so. Well, we could also when there's something that's chronic, I mm-hmm. say, is there a symbolism here? Just as we yeah. were talking about the migraine, that what we mm-hmm. want to do when we have a migraine is go lay down and take time to ourselves. What mm-hmm. is the symbolism of the shoulders? Will we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders? That's right. And we hunch up our shoulders if we think we're going to get hit or hurt. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking to someone who has constant shoulder pain, I mm-hmm. want to know symbolically what blow they're warding off. Yeah. What is about to come down on you that you're hunching your shoulders to protect yourself against? Yeah, so you've again hit the nail on the head. I guess. Um, well, I don't guess you have. So, yeah, I I think it's a it's a response to what I'm surrounded with. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
awkward as it might be, we mm-hmm. can choose to say, thank you, shoulder, for being in such pain. I appreciate your keeping me aware day and night of how mm-hmm. tense I am in this situation. Yeah. I would like it if you and I could work through some things to allow you not to feel like you are the only one protecting me. Mm-hmm. One way to feel more protected is to ask someone that you respect to be your guardian angel. And then to know that you actually have that person who's on your side. And it works, I think, best if it's somebody who's not in your life all the time. Somebody who's really a bit more marginal to your life. So Mm -hmm. that there's not a sense of you have to do anything to deserve this protection. No, it's a gift. So how would I, how, so like, for example, this situation arose at work. I mean, they're calling it a workplace injury. Okay, yes, the physical um, causes were there, but I mean, the situation arose at work. I mean, I think you get, you get it. You're very perceptive. You've, you've brought it up, so I think you kind of get it. So, mm-hmm. um, so to be protected, could it be someone at work or would it be someone out of work that I could call it? It doesn't matter because that protection goes with you wherever you go. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just to call upon, well, do I have to ask for permission, or do I just call upon their spirit to be my guardian angel? You actually have to ask them personally and directly for permission. Okay. Them, ask them if they would be willing to function in that way. Okay. Yeah, and they have to it. say yes or no. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And as far as um, taking um, anything, Solomon's seal is fine? I didn't quite get what you said. As far as taking okay. anything, what? Um, I said as far as like taking something for it um, in terms of healing, right? Because Solomon's seal is, um, is excellent from what I've read in the literature for healing the sinews, Um you know, repairing those areas. Experiment with the Solomon seal. It's a really fascinating plant. Yeah, it, it really, it yeah. really called. So yeah. I read it. I went and got it. There and, you. But I didn't use it, <laughs> so it called out to me, and it, I, I, I got that's it. That's you. Oh yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. The, yeah. That's the great thing about herbs, you know. You take an herb, but, you know, is not really going like, to for you. Well, all it's going to do is not work for you. It's not going to mess you up in the meantime. Okay. But I'm also, um, you know, I consulted a homeopath, and she recommended a lot of the gemotherapy. It's out of Belgium. You know, they're the macerates from the buds. Yes. They're like ribes, um, things like that. That didn't seem to do a whole lot for me. I mean, it helped some, but it didn't. It's kind of the flavor of the week. 
Okay, so I I just kind of wanted um, some thoughts on that because it's it's very popular in in um, you know Europe the the gemotherapy, uh, but here in in Canada it's not that well known. So I'm not uh, I'm not able to find a whole lot of literature except from the company. You know, part of it is that the terrain in Europe has been pretty run over for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for ways to kind of get the same energy out of that we could get out of a weed in our gardens. Yes. That is so we've just got a couple more people with their hands raised. Oh, sorry. We are so okay. blessed in North America to have such vibrant, healthy plant populations and that we have the ability to use and use them wisely and well so that we don't have to kind of twist them into strange forms. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. And I'm going to say green blessings because we just heard Marcy say that a couple more people raised their hand and Absolutely. I will be able to talk to one of them, but not both of them. Yes. Okay. Thank you ever so much. Thank you too. Oh. Green okay. blessings. Okay, we'll try this caller for the 252 area code to your life. Go ahead. 252. Hello, caller from 252. Please talk to us. Well, shall we try the other caller? Yes, let's try area code 517, you're live. Hi, Susan, it's Luna. Hi, Luna. Hey, I'll keep this short since we only have like four minutes. Thank um, you. <laughs> um, you're welcome. I have um, rheumatoid arthritis, and I did um, purchase your Happy Knees course, um, and I am enjoying Smash. <laughs> All right, yay, Smash. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's been like uh, two days, and I'm enjoying it, and so is my youngest daughter, and we're having a good time. So anyway, um, I end up, I end up having excruciating pain like once or twice a month, to where I have to go to emergency and get a steroid shot. My room a rheumatologist wants to put me on methotrexate injections um, to keep the uh, swelling down and to like she says this will completely stop the rheumatoid arthritis from progressing and of course she can't give me anything for pain relief but I was wondering like as I'm doing the things that you um, suggest in your course um, what could I possibly do for like the pain that makes me cry and you know like <clears throat> want to cut my arm off when it hurts so bad CBD. Yeah. CBD ointment used externally, CBD tincture used internally. All right. And how about skull cap? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The tincture. Okay. All right. I can do that. Yeah. And, and I um, like what small you... doses of skull cap taken frequently rather than one big dose, which is more likely to put you to sleep. Which is okay, okay if you want to go to sleep. Uh, sometimes one of the best ways to get out from under pain is go to sleep. 
Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's always worse, like, when I'm trying to go to bed, so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, is there a meditation or a dance or something that I could do? Like, maybe there's, like, energy that's, like, stuck there and it wants me to do something. There is a book named Who Dies by Stephen Levine. Mm-hmm. And he has three meditations on the heart of pain. Okay. Where you actually go into the pain and welcome the pain. I like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Look into that then. Well, thank you for your call this evening and for sharing this with us. Yes, thank you for taking time. You are so welcome. Good Green blessing. Green Good night. All right, at last, the time we have been waiting for is here. Uh, we should have Alama Trim Alione on the line with us. She is the founder and the resident Lama of Tara Mandala, located outside Pagosa Springs, Colorado, in the beautiful Sangre de Cristo Mountains. Lama Trim Alione traveled to India in her late teens and At the age of 22, she was the first Western woman to be ordained as a Buddhist nun. After living in the Himalayan region for several years, she returned her vows and became the mother of three. She did continue to study and practice Buddhism. She has been awarded the International Outstanding Woman in Buddhism Award by a panel of distinguished scholars. She is the author of Women of Wisdom, a classic book, Feeding Your Demons, a delicious book, and her new book, Wisdom Rising, a journey into the mandala of the empowered feminine. I am so excited that uh, Lama Sultrim Alione has agreed to be with us tonight. Thank you, Susan. So nice to hear your voice again. And yours, too. It is so lovely to know that our hearts are joined even across the continent and uh, doing uh, such parallel work. Yes, I know. Tell us, if you would, about your new book, about Wisdom Rising. Sure. Uh, Wisdom Rising is... I think one of the the sort of quick ways I describe it is Me Too meets Buddhism. Um, There's there's a part of it that's about what's happening with women now and the arising of women in the Women's March and Me Too and so on and how that can connect to the Dakinis and the Dakini Mandala as an empowerment, I-N-powerment, process. And so the book talks about how historically women and nature have been 
associated with that which must be bypassed and overcome to reach a transcendent spiritual experience, be that God or Allah, or even nirvana in, in Buddhism. And so that, that model, that paradigm of transcendence in religion has led to our current ecological situation and also our current situation with women. And uh, so women and nature have been considered something that can be used and abused and is a block or an obstacle in a spiritual path. And so that uh, those religious values are really much more central to our ecological situation than at least than I usually hear about. And so I talk about that in the beginning of the book, and then I shift into the mandala as a template of wholeness that is found in many cultures around the world and was really brought to a highly developed state in Tibet. And and the Dakinis, who are, I guess you could say, female embodiments of undomesticated wisdom, and uh, I talk about them specifically in connection with the situation that's happening with women now because they're fierce, but they're also wise and compassionate. And that the fierce aspect of women, which I know you embody very well, uh, the fierce aspect of the feminine is is something that has been forbidden and hidden, but really is part of us and and needs to find its place. And so the book uh, is about the mandala of the five Dakinis, the five families of Dakinis, and how to find that inner power to draw on to make the changes that we need to see in the world. Big stuff. <laughs> Hooray! I'm always so thrilled when women put big ideas out. <laughs> ideas that join threads together and really shake things up. I've always admired that about you and your your willingness to see how things can come together. Yeah. I, so, I think it's really important now. So Wisdom Rising is not just a book. It's also a practice, yes? Well, there's practices within it. The, the practice within it is the mandala of the five dakinis. And the, you explain the to the rising. listeners what that means, that the mandala of the five dakini, dakinis is a practice. There might be a whole lot of words there that they're not even really getting. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, the mandala, the mandala, a simple way to define it is a circle divided into four quadrants with a center. Mandalas usually appear in our dreams or in our lives when we have a situation of psychic confusion or disorientation. And the archetype that is constellated in the mandala 
represents a pattern of order, which, which acts as a kind of psychological viewfinder. And so that's, that's how Jung described the mandala. In uh, Sanskrit, the word means simply circle, and it was uh, the earliest record of the word being used was in the Vedas, and it was used as a uh, definition of a sacred enclosure in which a ritual or ceremony took place. So the mandala, uh, when you do a mandala practice, you sit in the center of that circle, and in this case you become the central dakini, who is a female figure who's dancing with her right leg raised and her left leg extended, and she has in her raised right hand a curved knife that cuts through dualistic fixation. And she's uh, holding also a katvanga staff, which is a staff which represents her inner consort. And so she's, she's fierce. She's surrounded by wisdom flames. And then in front of her is the blue Vajra Dakini, who is the transformation of anger into mirror-like wisdom. And the Vajra Dakini is blue, and the element is water. So that's in front of her. And perhaps the listeners could do this visualization uh, as we go. So you, can, you can feel maybe the presence of the mandala. And then to your right would be the yellow Ratna Dakini, who is the transformation of pride and feelings of not being good enough that that create uh, the appearance of arrogance. And also Ratna has a sort of invasive consumer quality. And the color is yellow, the element is earth, and the wisdom is the wisdom of equanimity or equalness. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then behind us, we'd find the red Padmadakini facing west, because in the mandala, you're always facing east. Mm-hmm. So the red Padmadakini, she's fire, and she's the transformation of craving and desire, sort of the compulsive need to seduce or to uh, find union with someone else into the wisdom of discernment, <laughs> fire. And then to your left would be the green Karmadakini, who is the north, and air and the transformation of envy, speed, competitiveness, comparing oneself with others, feeling like you can't catch up, you have to hurry, and that transforms into all-accomplishing wisdom. And the central one, which I started with but didn't describe, is white, and that's the Buddha Dakini. And she is the transformation of ignorance or denial, depression, spaciness into the state of or the wisdom of all-encompassing wisdom. And so we we experience ourselves within that mandala. Around the outside is a circle of fire, 
which protects the transformation process that's taking place within the mandala. And then over that circle of fire and over the dakinis, it's a tent of rainbow light. So in the dakini mandala practice, you, you work with certain seed syllables or sounds which uh, from which you create the dakinis. And then you, you hold your mind or your psyche within that template of the mandala and of, of the dakinis which creates an experience of, of centeredness and also the wisdoms, the five wisdoms, and the transformation of these emotions. So that's, that's a very brief description of the mandala of the five dakinis in the practice that's in the book. Um, I don't know if it's too brief for your listeners to really feel it, but perhaps it gives them a bit of an idea. I think that that was very excellent and that uh, those who have a little skill in visualization were certainly able to follow along with that very vividly clear. And those who weren't, well, it's a podcast. They can listen to it again and again and again until they they can actually see it. And and not just see it, but see and feel those bikinis or those real real presences that you are evoking for us. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is a matter of feeling, and also you're working with sound and color. So it's a process of, through, of course it is visualization, but also sounding and then feeling the color and also this process of transformation through the sound and the, and the color and the, the imagery, because you learn the meaning of everything that the Dakinis are holding, their posture, and so on, so that there's a symbolic impact when you visualize the Dakinis. Yes, it always amuses me somewhat um, when one of the apprentices say, well, you you got on my case about something so trivial. And I think to myself, nothing is trivial. <laughs> yeah, everything... everything is important in some level. Every, and as you're saying, you know, where how the Dakini's toes are curled and the posture she's in and which fingers are touching, all of that is non-trivial information for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, now, and if, and if, if and listeners are thinking, well, uh, this is all well and good and I'm glad it's in the book and all of that, but, but I, I need more like... Um, like videos, or maybe could I go to um, Tara Mandala and then get some direct instruction there? Does that happen at Tara Mandala? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, the website's Tara Mandala, T A R A M A N D A L A dot O R G. We also have an online course that will be starting again March 17th, 13-hour course uh, called Wisdom Rising based in the book. But it's also a live online course so that there's teachers that come on, um, I think it's four times during during the, the process of the course so that you actually have a human there. Um, and then we have retreats here. This Tara Mandala, perhaps people don't know about it. It's It's a 700-acre retreat center in southwest Colorado, so about 60 miles east of Durango. 
which I know when I lived in the East Coast seemed like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but <laughs> you can fly to Denver. I thought that's why you chose it, because it was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but it is also very close to the biggest hot springs in the world. So you can, you can tie your trip into a visit to the Pagosa Hot Springs. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so we have we have a three-story, 12,000-square-foot temple uh, that was created by Tibetan and Bhutanese woodcarvers and artists, and it's dedicated to the sacred feminine in Buddhism. And the main temple has life-size statues that are quite extraordinary, of the 21 Taras. <gasps> oh, my <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> it's wow. Really <laughs> and then there's a Tibetan and English library in the second floor, and then another meditation hall in the third floor. So that's there. And then there's also hermitage cabins. Uh, we have people in, in retreat for as long as five years. There's Somebody in now for five years, one year, and then, of course, you can go. I think the the um, shortest time is four days into one of these cabins to to dive into your own practice and really experience silence in a way that's so difficult to find these days. Yes, and that uh, uh, brings us back to why you chose such an out-of-the-way place. Um, Because you have that vast silence there. Exactly, yeah. And those wonderful mountains that just don't care at all about us. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, they're so different than the mountains I live in, which are, you know, the Catskills are very caring. You know, you lived in the Hudson River Valley. And I did, yeah, I did. But I live closer to New York City than you. Yeah, you did. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but and but the Rockies just don't care. You know, they're kind of teenage mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember coming out here. You first came out here, and I realized you could actually hear the silence. Like it has, there's a sound. Yes. That it has. Yes. I'm about to go into a year-long retreat. Um, February 12th, I start. So I'll be hearing a lot of that silence. (laughs) Indeed. You were the first Western woman to be ordained as a Buddhist nun. Was that something that was easy? Did they just say, oh, well, welcome. We, We love having nuns. Or was there some inequality between how you were treated and how a man would be treated? Uh, Yes and no. I think I was privileged also being Western. Uh, The Tibetan nuns, I think, were treated um, worse than me. So uh, that's one thing. I I did have experiences of sexism uh, as a nun, but I also had amazing experiences of support from my teachers, and and uh, it was an amazing time living in in the Himalayas and caves and retreat huts, and also in the Indian plains and the in the pilgrimage places like Bodh Gaya, Sarnath. Um, and I was there very early. I was ordained in 1970, 
in in Bodh Gaya before many Westerners knew about Buddhism. And when many of the lamas who had just come out of the out of Tibet, quite extraordinary lamas, were still alive that have passed away since then. So I was very lucky. And then I, you know, I did experience um, some uh, times like you know, that nuns always had to sit behind the monks and things like that. But I wasn't a nun in in a nunnery. I was a nun in the mountains, and I never I never lived in a nunnery, actually. So I was on my own most of the time and, and didn't experience a lot of those rules. Understood. So you had... Um A way, yeah. a way to be on your own, and you were given more slack because you were different and Western. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was. I'm, I'm sure of that. You know, Westerners at that time were were really interesting to the Tibetans, <laughs> and uh, you know, now there's so many; it's not so much the case, but. Uh, yeah, we 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 had a a different position, you could say, as as uh, women and as nuns. Uh, I know I was talking to Tenzin Palmo. Do you know her? Yes, Just not Tenzin Palmo. You know of her? Yeah. Um, yeah, she she's out here this summer. She's an old friend of mine, and and uh, she was talking about how differently the Western nuns were treated than the than the um, Himalayan nuns, but you know one of the one of the interesting things that's happened is the West has influenced the East in this regard, and so the uh, sort of feminist um, egalitarian ideas are beginning to be brought forth in the East because of the Western influence. Although I don't think they would like to think it's because of that. <laughs> But it is. <laughs> but it is. It's obvious. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the subtitle of Wisdom Rising is a journey into the mandala of the empowered feminine. Does that mean mm-hmm. only for women? No, no. No, it's not only for women. A lot of men are reading the book and doing the practices now. You know, we... we we all have a feminine part and a masculine part of us, and what percentage we have of each varies in each person, but we all need to embrace both parts of ourselves, uh, both the, the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. The reason that I emphasize the feminine is because um, is because we we need her. <laughs> We need her now in in quite a desperate way. I feel that if we don't get an equal balance of women and men in the positions where decisions affecting us all are being made, that we're we're just not going to be around very long as a species. So yeah, the book is partly about that. And back to where you started with, which I think is a very important point, and that is that how our culture has seen women is 
very identical to how our culture has seen nature Mm -hmm. being something that is both worthless and as something which we can extract from. Mm -hmm. Use. Yes, it's an extractive use paradigm. Mm -hmm. That I believe that when you say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that we need the feminine, that what you mean is that we need the feminine ability to say, none of it's trivial. We're not trivial. The earth is not trivial. We are not just resources to be extracted. Yeah, and it's it's shifting from that model of transcendence uh, as the spiritual experience to imminence, to the sacred within, in nature and matter. You know, the the Latin for matter um, is actually origin, source, or mother. Right. And... So matter, matter is our mother. And uh, I know that with your work with herbs and so on is so connected to that. And when I was, when I came out here, I met a youth elder woman. It was quite synchronistic. I actually met her in Texas before we moved here and then realized that she was my neighbor and so I started to study with her when I came out here. And she uh, she taught me two interesting things, uh, which I think you would relate to. One is when we would go out to, to gather herbs, she said, when you pick an herb or take an herb, take some of your hair, pull out some hair, and leave it. And that's your offering back to the earth from taking something from her, her hair. Yeah. And uh, and it hurts a little when you pull out your hair, and it hurts her when you take an herb, when you, when you uh, harvest a plant. And the other thing she said was never take the strongest plant in the, in the group. Take, a, take strong plants, but leave the very strongest because then the next generation will be strong. And if you take the strongest and leave the weakest, it's a downward slide. So those, those were sort of very practical ways that she taught me about how to relate to the earth and to, to plants. How beautiful, how extraordinary and rich that you had the opportunity to take in these beautiful and really, really important teachings. I remember being in New Zealand. I'd been taken out to see the chin-strap penguins, and there I was, laying on my belly, face-to-face with a chin-strap penguin, and thinking, I want to give it something. And it was just, you know, this like this rush mm. feeling that I want, I want to, I want to extend this myself somehow to this other being, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what I was shown was. Well, then rip out some of your hair. Mhm. And you did. Oh yes. Mhm. 
Oh, yes. Uh, one of the, the things that I say to the apprentices is, I want you to do what I tell you to do, not because it has anything to do with me, but I want you to get in the habit of doing what you're told to do. <laughs> right, because your guides are not going to tell you twice. Yeah. yeah. I can uh I can understand that. <laughs> Take it. You you are very good at paying attention to what you're told to do and acting on it. Yeah, I I'm also not always obedient. Um Well, it's not quite being a, <laughs> a little different than being obedient because you called it <laughs> first place, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, in my tradition, we, we have teachers. Now I'm a teacher, a lama. And um, so, you know, I see my role as nurturer. Lama, lama actually, it's feminine and ma. Uh, I don't know how that happens since 99% of lamas are men. But it actually means supreme mother. And oh. so I see my role as nurturer in the sense of how can I uh, see what my students need and then nurture them to get that. And, of course, that doesn't always mean agreeing with everything that they think they should do, but but really to have that feeling of partnership and, and uh, sort of co-cultivation of wisdom in in my role as as Lama. I know it hardly seems possible that we've been talking for nearly half an hour, but we have, and the log talk shows are very severe about ending. They just end. They're just going to cut us right off when it's time. So I want to give you this opportunity, this last minute. What do you want to leave in the minds and the hearts of everyone who's listening to you? Hmm. I want to leave you with the feeling and the intent to embrace the sacred feminine and to see your spiritual path as imminent, as within, as here in this body, in this time, in this place, not as somewhere out there and up there. I think that will change our world. And I want to wish everybody a beautiful solstice and return to the light. And also to invite everyone to come to Tara Mandala, and perhaps I'll spell it out again, T-A-R-A-M-A-N-D-A-L-A dot O-R-G, Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And also we have a lot of online offerings, so I hope to meet you that way as well. Lama, the Supreme Mama, (laughs) soldier. It is such a delight to my heart to share time and space on this planet with you, supporting the empowerment of the divine female. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be with you. Truly. Thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And Marcy, great job standing in there for Rebecca. Thanks for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as 
people's medicine. And green blessings to Monica Jean and Justine now down in Costa Rica. Ooh, hoo, hoo. I got pictures of them surfing this morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> blessings to everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye, everyone.